Support for Kansas City Today comes from Grandma's Office Catering. One bank teller instead of the usual five. Slow, fast food lines. Simply not enough staff. Grandma's Office Catering avoided the mass exodus with the respect, appreciation, better wages, and now health insurance. That's how Grandma continues to wow. Grandma'sCatering.com. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. Today is Tuesday, June 14th. Coming up, how two court cases could threaten government transparency in Missouri. But first, some headlines. The Kansas City Council will vote this week on whether to approve a $1.4 million settlement with a former city employee who sued the city for race discrimination and retaliation. KCUR's Salisa Kalakal has more. Ronald Williams, who is black, worked as a maintenance electrician in the city's water services department from 2011 to 2017. He sued the city in 2018, alleging he was not allowed to take a class that would have resulted in a promotion and that a supervisor called African-American electricians, quote, incompetent. In February 2020, a Jackson County jury awarded him nearly $800,000, plus nearly half a million dollars in legal fees. The family of Wichita teen Cedric Lofton, who died in jail last year, has filed a lawsuit against the city police department, the county, and officers involved in the death. Kylie Cameron reports. Lofton died in a Cedric County juvenile facility last year while being restrained for more than half an hour during a mental health crisis. The lawsuit alleges county workers use excessive force in the teen's death. It also alleges Wichita police officers and county officials were not trained on how to handle juveniles in crisis. Lofton's brother, Marquand Teets, is a plaintiff in the lawsuit. Every day I just have to remember that he was sat on for 39 minutes and they watched him die and I see no remorse from him and it just eats me up that much more alive every day. The county's district attorney declined to press charges in the teen's death earlier this year. Missouri gives its citizens access to records through what's known as its Sunshine Law. But in recent years, many journalists and government accountability groups have run into challenges getting what's supposed to be public information. And two cases making their way through state courts have some watchdogs concerned that the law's effectiveness may be in peril. Jason Hancock is the editor-in-chief of the nonprofit news website The Missouri Independent, and he's been covering government transparency. He spoke with KCUR's Brian Ellison about the recent cases, starting with one that stemmed from the administration of former Missouri Governor Eric Greitens. So in late 2017, the governor and most of his top lieutenants were using an app called Confide. This is an app that allows you to send text messages that delete automatically after they've been read by the recipient. It also keeps you from sending a, taking a screenshot, forwarding that message, or keeping a record of it of any kind. So essentially, they're vanishing text apps. And it's pretty um, much deliberately that, designed to, to be secret. That's the entire intent, is you're, you're sending this stuff with the hopes that there's never going to be a trace of it. And then over the course of the next year or so, we found that it wasn't just Brighton's and his top lieutenants. It was almost everyone in the office had downloaded the app. And screenshots of internal messages showed that they had been using it to communicate internally, as well as with lobbyists outside the office, which, as you can imagine, set off some alarm bells for transparency advocates who feared that this is an attempt to undermine the Sunshine Law, which requires transparency and retaining those documents. And it inspired a lawsuit in December of 2017 that has wound its way through the judicial process and 
last month was argued in front of the Western District Court of Appeals. And, and remind us that lawsuit you mentioned from St. Louis County Attorney Mark Padroli. What is the, the heart of the complaint? What does he say is wrong with the governor's office using this app? He says it's essentially a violation of uh, the piece of the Sunshine Law that says that if a government record is created, it must be retained and it cannot be destroyed. It's essentially no different than taking a banker's box full of memos out to the governor's mansion lawn and setting them on fire. And that by having so many people in his office download the app, that this was a conspiracy to knowingly violate the Sunshine Law. That's been his argument from the beginning. A Cole County judge, Judge John Beatum, disagreed with him. He said that because these records were never retained and they were never held on to, that since they were destroyed immediately, there was no records to turn over and thus no violation of the Sunshine Law, which was an alarming ruling. But that's also what the uh, Court of Appeals said, essentially, that because they can only turn over documents that they possess. So because they were destroyed, they didn't exist to be turned over subject to a Sunshine Law request. And so therefore, they dismissed the case. And that was the finding of the Western District Court of Appeals. That's the court that's just one appeal step below the Missouri Supreme Court. Uh, Essentially, to use your analogy of uh, taking the documents out and burning them in a fire pit, that's not what happens with this app. Each document is just sort of individually burned after it's written. uh, And because it's the app that does that rather than the, the staff members, they said that the Sunshine Sunshine law doesn't apply. That's absolutely right. That that was their argument. And they took it, they made a point in a footnote to make sure that the public knew they were not condoning the use of these apps. And they recognized that it essentially creates this ability to sidestep the Sunshine Law. But the court's argument was this was not a judicial uh, decision that needed to be made. They can't make a punishment in the Sunshine Law for doing this. This has to be a legislative fix. Um, which is something that I've heard from a few other attorneys that have looked at this. Mark Pedroli, who brought the lawsuit, disagrees vehemently. He's going to appeal this case up to the Supreme Court. He believes that if this ruling were to stand, you'd be punching a massive hole in the Sunshine Law that essentially it tells government agencies, if you're going to do something that might be embarrassing or something you just don't want the public to see, just don't retain it. Destroy it. Just destroy it. And the courts will be totally fine with you. Um, uh, not keeping those records around and potentially having to reveal uh, something nefarious or dangerous or or embarrassing. So the court pretty strongly implying or saying outright in its footnote that that the the legislature probably needs to take a look at the Sunshine Law if it's going to have any uh, meaning. Do you think there's appetite in the Missouri General Assembly for tightening or strengthening the Sunshine Laws? When this first came about, this, this this revelation about Confide, there was a great deal of momentum behind trying to, to outlaw these apps, to, to step in and at least say government officials can't discuss public business on these sort of burner apps, as, as they are called. That lost a lot of momentum when Eric Greitens went away. You know, he was sort of the impetus behind the, the, the enthusiasm for doing it. There's been a couple of efforts over the years that haven't gotten nearly as far. And, uh, you know, usually when the legislature the last few years has been tinkering with the Sunshine Law, it's been to restrict, to further pull back how much, uh, you know, how many records are turned over to the public, how much transparency is in the law. So there's not a lot of optimism among folks who follow this stuff that the legislature is going to be too uh, excited about coming in and trying to do something about this. But, you know, it's really hard to argue that under the Sunshine Law, as it was crafted back in 1973, you know, they obviously they couldn't envision that this technology would ever exist 
And I don't think there's a lot of Republicans or Democrats in the legislature or in government who would at least openly say that this is a good outcome, that, that you can essentially get to a situation where, you know, you can destroy records in lieu of having to turn them over. Um, that's going to turn into a really, you know, government works best when there's transparency, when the taxpayers can see what's going on. And in a situation like this, I, I just, you know, as someone who files these kinds of requests a lot, there's a lot of things that the public is going to lose access to if this verdict were to be taken to its logical conclusion. We should mention there's actually one other case working its way through the judicial process as well. The same uh, attorney from from St. Louis is involved. This one involved the use of private email accounts in then-Attorney General Josh Hawley's office uh, now several years ago. Uh, Similar issues and and similar impact in understanding the state sunshine law, Jason? Yeah, both cases kind of stem back to uh, actions that took place in 2017. Um, In the Josh Hawley case... You know, his office, when he was sworn in that year to be attorney general, a few weeks later, his staff started coordinating and chatting with political consultants using private email. Um, Those conversations took place over the course of several months. You know, a year later, when he was running for Senate, it was revealed that they were doing that. And those emails became public. But in the intervening months, the DSCC, which is the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, had asked for any emails between official staff and these consultants and were told there were none. And so when they became public, the DSCC filed a lawsuit saying they should have had to turn these over. Not only were they, do they admit that they were discussing public business, which they do, but the custodian of records was on the, in the email discussion. The person who's charged with keeping the, the office's records pertaining to public business was involved in the discussion. The attorney general's office now under Eric Schmidt is arguing look, it's, it's the same general argument. We didn't retain them, so we couldn't turn them over. And later, when we ended up retaining them, we turned them over. You know, after it was revealed in the public that they existed, they actually did allegedly take them and scan them in, like print the emails out, scan them in, and officially, quote unquote, retain them. But, you know, transparency advocates look at this case and they say, if all you have to do is just switch over to Gmail, and now you're no longer subject to the Sunshine Law, that's going to, again, much like the combined case, all it's going to do is encourage people to step away right. from their government servers, and if not destroy records, just keep them off-site and really limit the taxpayer's ability to see how their government is functioning. I seem to remember a, a fairly significant federal case involving Secretary of State Hillary Clinton using private emails. And that's the irony of it. I mean, in addition to... It appears so uh, being in violation of the attorney general's office's own record retention rules, which state that if you're talking about public business, it doesn't matter what venue you choose, whether it's Gmail, text message or uh, just a a letter. It's it's a record that you're supposed to retain and thus it would be subject to disclosure under the Sunshine Law. Mm -hmm. But in addition to that, uh, then candidate Josh Hawley back in 2016 was very critical of uh, presidential candidate Hillary Clinton when it was revealed that she was using a private server when during her time as Secretary of State, um, you know, it just slammed her for that. And so you do, you have a lot of folks accusing him of hypocrisy on that. Um, worth noting too, during his time as Attorney General, he never actually had an official government email address. That was something that always was surprising to me, but it's something that's uh, a lot of, especially prominent state uh, statewide elected officials have sort of adopted. I don't think Eric Schmidt has one either just because, 
you know, it's it's an avenue for, you know, critics would say it's an avenue for potential disclosure mm-hmm. later down the road if somebody was to file a sunshine request. So they just avoid it altogether. So last question, the alleged threat is that this will undermine the sunshine law because everyone will just start using con- the confide app and private email uh, addresses. Is that happening? Do you have a sense uh, among statewide elected officials or state uh, administrative offices? Are these apps or these private email accounts being used, or have they reverted to the more uh, traditional understanding that uh, that their records should be searchable and uh, discoverable? I think you probably have a lot of conversations that are taking place, you know, via private uh, email, but it's hard to confirm that because obviously, if I make a request, they don't have to turn that stuff over, or at least they, that would be their argument. I think the confide issue and specifically in in these so-called burner apps more generally became so toxic back during Greitens era that even just having the app became a political liability. I had a, at the time, a lawmaker who called me up directly to say, Hey, I signed up for confide because I read your story. I just wanted to see what it was like. And now I'm afraid that my name's going to pop up and you're going to think I have it. I just wanted to reach out and say, I'm not, I'm not using it. I have deleted it. I'll show you my phone. I mean, it became really toxic because it became mm-hmm. a symbol of obfuscation and, you know, a lack of government transparency. I know like the governor's office now has a, has a rule forbidding people to use these types of apps. So I think that there's less of it going on right now. But, you know, again, if you get a couple court rulings that say that this is the way to get around it legally, that you're not doing anything illegal, I'm not sure what would be the incentive for folks not to make the switch. That was Jason Hancock of the Missouri Independent speaking with KCUR's Brian Ellison. This is Kansas City Today. I'm Nomi Nujia Dean. This podcast is produced by Byron Love, Trevor Grandin, and KCUR Studios, and edited by Lisa Rodriguez and Gabe Rosenberg. For more local news from Kansas City's NPR station and to read Jason's story on government transparency in Missouri, visit kcur.org. Tomorrow, we'll hear how a drought and an international crisis are affecting Kansas wheat farmers. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you soon. Thank you.